Welcome to Phoenix and Flame, pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Welcome to Phoenix and Flame. I'm Dana, and this is my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. Well, today we have an amazing guest with us. Her name is Melanie Yates. Now, Melanie is certified and licensed in the medical field of interventional radiology, where she has worked for 21 years. Now, after decades of self-defeating behavior, she found the power within to awaken to spiritual truths, leading her to powerful life lessons. So for over a decade, she has coached hundreds of people, helping them turn their lives from misery to happiness through one-on-one coaching, seminars, and videos. Melanie, welcome to Phoenix and Flame. Thank you so much, Dana. Pleasure to be here. This is awesome. So for you listeners out there, Melanie and I have already had to deal with some technical snafus, but we are not letting anything stand in our way. We are forging ahead. This episode is going to happen. This interview is going to happen. You know, that's how life is. Stuff happens and you just, you have the choice. You're either going to give up or you're just going to keep pushing. And we are ones that keep pushing. (laughs) So Melody, tell me, interventional radiology, help me understand what that is and what drew you to that. Interventional radiology is something that happens at a hospital because it's kind of like an outpatient surgery. We we get into your femoral artery and we inject x-ray contrast so we can see your arteries on live imaging and we fix the plumbing so to speak you know your arteries can get plaque and different things can happen to them and we go in there with very small catheters and fix you up oh wow so i'm so glad there's people like you that that are drawn to that kind of thing and enjoy doing it. Because I think if my life were hanging in the balance, I could not do something like that. And it's so much needed. So thank you for that. That's awesome. You know, because I imagine when people get to that point, you know, they're needing some support and having to go through some kind of scary procedures. So I'm so glad to have people like you in positions like that. So you had, have mentioned decades of self-defeating behavior. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about on Phoenix and Flame is just being very transparent so that we can build a community saying that, you know, we're not alone. And that was one of my main um, motivations for starting Phoenix and Flame, because as a psychotherapist, I was hearing my patients tell me these stories and they would say, you know, I feel like I'm the only one. And I would know they were not the only one, but I was limited because of confidentiality in what I could share. And so I thought, you know what? I think I'd like to start a podcast where we can all be transparent, we can be real, we can be honest, and realize that, you know what? We're all basically the same. We're all human beings with have basically the same needs, the same desires, the same struggles, so that we can have a, a platform to be honest and pull together without judging and to be real with one another, to feel like, you know, there is a community and we can help each other pull forward. So I was drawn to the part of your story that talks about decades, which is let's just stop and say, 
that's a lot. That's a long time. And I know I have listeners that can absolutely totally relate to that, that are probably still stuck in their self-defeating behavior. So for you, what was some of your self-defeating behavior and, and what kind of got you there? You know, I live in California and so marijuana is prevalent and now it's even legal. I started smoking it daily way before it was legal. (laughs) I used marijuana. I also have ADD, which I later found out that in some cases, drugs and alcohol can stimulate my brain enough that it actually works better. You know, marijuana is so subtle, subtle because, you, you know, if you drink too much, you know, you throw up, you fall down, you black out, your words are slurring. It's interesting. Marijuana has this subtle uh, effect. Even if you smoke a lot, you're, you're not going to be the same effect as if you drink a lot, which I've experienced with both. And then whenever you bring two drugs together, it intensifies. It doesn't just double it. It intensifies it tenfold. So I have a lot of experience with uh, trying to figure out how to make that work. And it it didn't work is really what it came down to. And so I would switch from, oh, I'm only going to drink. And then I'm only going to smoke pot. And maybe if I just take a little of this and a little of that, you know, it just... I think there's also an addictive personality, right? Like they say there's one in 10 alcoholics and there's other forms of addiction that people have. And so they say like the four out of those 10 also have an addictive personality, but maybe it's to love and sex. Maybe it's to food, sugar. So some of us have that, but some of us don't. There is a solution. I guess that's what I wanted to share that I I started doing these things and I didn't think there was anything wrong. Like I said, I mean, I went through school smoking marijuana and doing just fine. And I do have a license and a certification and and many initials next to my name because I did well in school. And I was under the influence. And I was able to get a job at the hospital. They did a drug testing. So I just switched over to alcohol to get all that marijuana out of my system so I could get the job that I wanted. To me, that's that was even a transformation because that was hard for me at that time. You know, I thought of marijuana kind of like an antidepressant, like that worked for me. You know, and you surround yourself around people that do what you do, and it doesn't seem like it's wrong, even though it was illegal at the time, right? I have not talked about this openly, but I feel prompted to. My inner small voice from God is telling me it's okay to talk about. And I also feel like because California, there are dispensaries on every corner in my little beach town I live in. And people don't know marijuana is addicting and marijuana has a downfall, especially because it's so subtle. And I think people don't realize that 
it did stop. It stunted my personal growth. And, and now that I have 12 years without substance, any kind of substance, I have such um, a different outlook. Like there's so many, I have a chance at opening my mind to different things and, and the ability to actually follow through where when you're under the influence, you lose a lot of that ambition. You're not, you're not really your authentic self and, and you don't know yourself because you're medicating it. And so that is definitely, I mean, I smoked marijuana for 20 years, over 20 years. And, um, I used alcohol in in an abusive way to numb my feelings. And, and I felt justified because don't you know, I pay all my bills. I have this incredible job. I make six figures on the outside. It looked fine. I don't think people at work knew that I had a problem and what really made me look at it. And I know you like to talk about boundaries was my relationship. My marriage is what brought me to my bottom. It wasn't actually, and to me, that also is another defeating behavior is being codependent on someone else, needing someone else's approval at your own expense. That is a defeating behavior. And I learned so much from kind of waking up to, I have some responsibility here because I always had this way of, it's his fault. I just pointed the finger at other people and I didn't really know. I didn't have the tools. They don't teach this in school. They don't (laughs) teach you how to take responsibility for your feelings. They don't teach you how to manage your feelings. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I was kind of taught like, pull your bootstraps up and just do it. You know, that the Nike just do it thing. You know, it's just like, just do it. It's like what's missing in all of that. And what I'm hearing you say, and I am absolutely 100% in agreement with this is the how of it. Okay. But how, as, as I'm listening to you talk, two things are coming to my mind. One of them is one of your take on what level of substance use becomes defeating, becomes self-defeating, because I know that people are listening and, and substance use is, is very variable and you have all these different personalities and you have these different backgrounds. And, you know, some people are like teetotalers, some people are not, and you, you have all these different people coming at, at substance use from different places. Like you have the, the person that's going to come home from work every day and crack a beer and be just fine with that. And then you have someone else that feels like if they do that, they're going to be on the, you know, the greased luge to hell. And so it's like trying to figure out what line becomes self-defeating. And having said that, I want to put that out there. And then at the same time, I also want to kind of ping on what you said about numbing and avoidance, because I run into that so much in psychotherapy, where almost like the substance abuse, I don't want to say substance use, but substance abuse. And some people would say there's no difference. Okay. Personally, I feel like there is, but some people would say there's not, each to his own. But a lot of times, I mean, I'm thinking the substance abuse is a symptom. 
It's not the cause. It's not the it's not the source. The source is almost always, and I obviously I'm looking at it from a psychological standpoint because I'm a psychotherapist, but I get the privilege and the blessing of being able to sit in a room with someone and they feel so comfortable because they're not being judged. It's confidential. They can be totally themselves. They can be totally honest. And so they begin to cough up what the actual issues are. And when we are able to address those, their need to abuse substances or not just substances, but like you mentioned earlier, whether it's excessive spending, whether it's excessive sex, whether it's excessive working, I mean, fill in the blank. All these things, as long as they're excessive and out of balance, are avoidance tactics. So the two things I'm, I'm kind of posing to you, one is your thoughts on when does substance use become self-defeating. I mean, if somebody's listening and they might be using, you know, using weed or using alcohol or whatever, and they're kind of wondering themselves, gosh, I don't think I'm being self-defeating, but I'm not sure. How do I know? And then also talking about the, the avoidance and the numbing that's going on. I definitely think there's a difference between use and abuse. Some of us can't use safely. That's why I kind of was talking about the the statistics of that addictive personality, which I believe you're born with, and there's there's different opinions about that. So it's really it ha- it's a personal choice. It's a personal um, awareness and reflection. No one can tell you. You have to get honest with yourself. And I didn't know how to do that. You know, I didn't know what the truth was. So it, it, and I was avoiding. And so for me, the tail sign for me was I would break promises to myself. Also with this kind of addictive personality, it doesn't go away. Just because I don't use alcohol and marijuana, guess what? I use other things. (laughs) So when you're talking about there's something underneath that. Oh, you bet there is because (laughs) I have to do that every day. I have to take a look. It's really my perception and my thinking that needs a higher power. It needs a God. It needs a divine help. It needs divine help. And, you know, I wrote this book, Happy, Joyous, and Free, Love Your Life No Matter What, because I wanted people to have some tools that if the word God or religion had somehow hurt them or harmed them and they weren't open, that they could have some tools that were spiritual in nature that I have learned that helped me deal with avoiding and numbing and and feeling okay with just being comfortable in my own skin and recognizing like the awareness of I'm, I'm breaking a promise to myself. You know, when I, when I say I'm not going to drink today and then it happens, or I say I'm not going to have a donut tomorrow morning and I drive there anyway, or I say I'm not going to have premarital sex and I do anyway. These are things that that I do when I'm breaking my promise, to me, that's kind of a signal. It's a sign. Okay. Okay. There's something going on. There could be an addiction. And like I said, it's like, it's really like 50%. Some people 
can use just fine. It's not, it's not a big deal at all. But when you start breaking promises to yourself, to me, that's just a signal that there, there could be underlying issues that I'm running away from, that I'm avoiding. And there's help. There's always help. I, I want to make sure that people know whatever is going on, there is help. And having a therapist, I went to a therapist. That's how I kind of found out I had a problem. I went to therapy one-on-one for three years. And I just, I went there because of my marriage. So the underlying problem for me was my relationships. And I didn't know how to communicate. And I didn't how to, I didn't know how to not blame somebody else for my problems. So I go to therapy and I start talking about it. And I didn't even find out that alcohol had anything to do with my behaviors until we went to marriage counseling and my spouse ratted me out, so to speak. Uh, so it's just, it's so, I learned a lot from that because I don't see myself the way someone else sees. And it took going together for someone else to paint a picture for someone else at a perspective. Hey, that's not the way I see it. I went to ther- therapy one-on-one for three years Alcohol never came up that that was an issue. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nice to have the other person. You know, we call it collaborative therapy, where you bring in another person. It's not couples therapy, but it's the you know you have the the significant other come in and really share uh, their observations of the patient, and it's it's quite enlightening sometimes. And you you get another version, you get another observation, another vantage point of your patient that you didn't have before. And that's, it's really a wonderful thing to do. It's not necessarily pleasant for the patient sometimes, (laughs) but it's very healthy. (laughs) Yes. You had mentioned earlier, you said needing approval at your own expense and I wanted to take just a couple minutes and hover over that because I know that in boundary issues that comes up quite a bit because we can't we can't control what someone else is going to understand or approve of or accept. And so here we are walking along our own path and we're we're wanting someone's approval. Who doesn't? We all do. Let's just admit that. If anybody says, Oh, I don't want anybody's approval, they're either delusional or lying. Okay, because we all do. But I love the way you worded that needing approval at my own expense. That's something else. And that's and so many of us are willing to accept things or do things we wouldn't otherwise do so we can get that person's approval. And we're paying a price for that. And I know I have listeners out there right now that are listening, thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm that feels like me. That feels like the relationship that I'm in right now or relationships plural that I'm in. That's kind of what I'm doing with everybody in my life. So I was wondering, Melanie, if you could share a little bit about your walk in that particular experience of of needing and trying to seek out approval at your own expense. That is my definition of codependency, wanting someone's approval at my own expense. That's one of the truths that I uncovered when I took away these self-defeating behaviors 
which I continue to have to work on because I just switch. I just <laughs> switch because we all need something to check out and avoid and run away from. Like that's human nature. Usually when we're afraid of something, we avoid it. Wanting, even admitting that I want someone's approval is really hard. And I feel we're hardwired hardwired to want our parents' approval. And yet it's not always in our best interest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and what I'll do, and what I realized even at an early age, is I started lying. I was like a compulsive liar because I wanted the approval of my parents so bad that I would tell them what I thought they wanted to hear. And even, it's embarrassing to admit, even as an adult, I have caught myself, there's this awareness now of, oh, I, I did it again. And it's like, well, why did I even lie about that? There was no reason to lie about that. I remember after I got sober, lying to my husband about paying for lunch with a girlfriend. And it just came out. And it's, why did I lie about that? Did I need his approval in that moment? And I had, uh, you know, mentors and I had a therapist at the time. And it was like, okay, what do I do when I realize I just lied about something? And they're like, just say, I don't know why that came out of my mouth. I did end up paying. I did pay for our lunch. And just slowly the awareness of that's what I do. When I think about wanting someone's approval, it's because I'm looking for love in the wrong places. And I have a whole chapter about that in my book because we're looking for love in the wrong places. If I keep going back to a spouse, if I keep going back to a parent who may or may not be able to give me that love, especially the one I'm looking for, the love I'm looking for, and I keep going back to the same place, that's a form at my own expense. I'm, I'm doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. You know, Einstein said that was insanity, you know? And so if I can have that awareness of, I just want my mom or my dad to love me, or I just want my husband to trust me. My first marriage, I just wanted my husband to trust me and believe I wasn't cheating on him. And I, to get his approval, I hurt myself. I came up with um, this quote that helped me a ton in my first marriage, that the truth stands alone and that it doesn't need to be defended. It doesn't need armor. It doesn't need an argument. It doesn't need to be debated. It, it doesn't need pros and cons, like to weigh it out. Like, well, here's the pros, here's the cons. It's like the truth stands by itself. And it is, it was, it doesn't change. And when I have the confidence to stand next to truth, I don't have to fight. And there's this little saying, um, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? And a lot of us want to be right so bad that that makes us happy. (laughs) 
<laughs> Let me ask you, as you're talking, oh my gosh, I've got so much going through my head and I've got notes down here that I'm going to get to, but you just said something that I thought was really, really unique. And I wanted to just hover over that for just a moment. If I recall what you said, something along the lines of when I have the courage to stand next to the truth. Why do you think for so many of us, it requires so much courage to stand next to the truth? Because we want approval and we look for love in the wrong places. Because I want to, I want to know I'm okay. And it takes a lot of courage to know I'm okay from inside and from above. But we look outside of ourselves. You know, we look for, you know, if I have this car, if I have this job, if I have this husband, I think, you know, as women, we, you know, I have a lot of girlfriends that are single and, and I got a, a divorce and I was single. I was addicted to wanting to get married because I had this belief that people will listen to me as a coach and a relationship expert and a body language expert and in my field if I have someone next to me. That's what I call a worth grab because it's I'm getting my worth outside of myself from a husband, from money, from my car, from my job, from my title, from my initials, from my accomplishments. Oh, I, I ran a half a marathon or I did this, I did that. And it's, I'm trying to hmm. prove my worth and anything that can go away, like motherhood, marriage, a job, money, those are all worth grabs because they're outside of us. There's one thing that you can get your worth and your love from that will never be wrong. And that is from inside and from above. And it takes practice to go there because even today I've been studying this and researching this and practicing it and teaching it. And guess what? Using your words that I've heard you use, leveling up. I'm leveling up mm-hmm. and I'm, st- I'm looking for the worth grabs. I, it's like, well, how many followers do I have? How much money am I making? And I'm getting, I, it's really hard to not get in that trap, that Mm -hmm. worth trap and, and start grabbing outside of myself for my worth to prove I'm okay. And I only get that peace when I go to God. I just, I love every, that worth grab. I love that. I've never heard it put that way. And I think it's an amazing way of describing that, just trying to grab outside of ourselves for worth. And you also said something earlier that I wanted to emphasize. You were talking about awareness, like when you were, um, you were aware of, of lying. And I really wanted to just emphasize that because what you did not say was that you were not judging yourself. You were aware and I want to point this out because this is huge, because if, if we're if we refuse to be aware of something, we can't do anything about it. But if we decide we're not going to judge ourselves, but instead we are going to observe, we are going to be aware of some kind of behavior pattern that we have, then, oh, my gosh, we can change anything. We can do so much. But the awareness has got to be there. And that's what I heard you say earlier. You were willing to step into a place where you were aware and willing to let yourself see 
that you were telling lies, you were telling things that were not true so that you could start to examine yourself and go, huh, that's curious. Why am I doing that? Why am I, I knew that that wasn't, I mean, I just a second ago, and I know that wasn't even true. And I just, that just came out of my mouth. Isn't that interesting? So you had that awareness and what was that like for you? And and what did that, how did that help you when you allowed yourself to have that space of awareness? The one thing, if anyone is listening, hears is a life of consultation. As a therapist, you know that we need to bounce the ideas off in our head to somebody else. I call it having a panel. (laughs) I have a panel of people and it's not always even physical people. It's, it can be people I look up to, people that give good advice. Even in that moment, when I had the awareness of like, I just lied. I had to go to some, I went to somebody I trusted who was a mentor at the time and said, I just recognized I lied and I don't even know what to do. Now I'm going to feel stupid going back and trying to make restitution about that or make it better. I'm going to look like an idiot and I feel stupid and I embarrassed, 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 ashamed, 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 you know, and it took practice being able to have people in my life that I trusted that were safe. And it could be your therapist. It could be someone at church. It could be a friend. It's okay to have people that are close to you, that really know you. You don't have to tell everybody. I didn't go telling everybody I'm a liar. <laughs> you know, I went, you know, because that could hurt relationships. You know, it wasn't like I went to work and was like, can you believe what I did yesterday? I lied to my husband about something so stupid. I didn't do that. I had specific people that I trusted mm-hmm. with the things that I was working on to grow and change. So that awareness comes up, but I can't do it alone because even when I think of, I need to know the difference between my voice and God's voice because that can be really confusing too. And people get confused all the time with that. Mm-hmm. God told me to quit my job. And other people are like, that doesn't sound like a very good job or a good idea, you know? And so if if God tells me something and I have a life of consultation and I'm able to bounce it off even one other person and get validation, God starts speaking through other people too. And everything doors open. And that doesn't mean it's not hard because just like we experienced this morning, there's resistance. Mm -hmm. The law of resistance, the law of opposition is a universal law. It has to show up when something is getting better. There's resistance. There's something that pushes against it. And that's why not everybody gets their dream. That's why not everybody has a healthy relationship because something pushes against you when you start growing and learning and are open to awareness. And what you started with is we're going to push through anyway. That is that is the solution to resistance. When, when it shows up, you keep your eye on the finish line or the direction you're going because that's how you get through it. You just, you don't give up. You keep going. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. That is amazing. You've got such wonderful words of wisdom. Now, I wanted to emphasize one other thing, and I know our our time is kind of drawing to a close, but 
when we are avoiding, it is feeding the fear. So I, I kind of joke in a way with my, with my patients, it's almost like you, you feel the monster breath on your back. You feel the monster breath blowing the back of your hair off of your neck because you're running away from the monster. I said, at some point, you've got to just dig your heels in and whip yourself around and grab the monster by the ears and pull it straight into your face and go, what do you got? Because I'm tired of running. I'm tired of trying to get away from you. I'm tired of feeling your hot monster breath on the back of my neck. Just give it to me. What do you got? And face it and lean into it. And that way you get stronger because the more we try to avoid and run away from fear, from things that are making us fearful, the more we avoid, the stronger the fear becomes, the stronger the opposition becomes. And to your point, sometimes by ourselves, I don't think we have the strength to dig in our heels and whip around and grab the fear by the ears and pull it in. But sometimes reaching out to someone else or having, you know, reaching out to God and to that higher power and saying, look, I can't, I can't do this by myself. I'm just telling you right now, I can't do this by myself. There's a scripture that says in my weakness, he is strong. And I have said that so much over the last few months as I've been kind of leveling up my, my podcast and I'm, I'm getting ready to launch an online boundaries course and s- stuff's hit me right and left. And I, that's a mantra. It's like, okay, well, one more opportunity, God, for you to be strong because my weakness is plentiful. <laughs> so it's, you know, when you have that relationship, you don't have to worry so much about, oh my gosh, I can't face the fear. Yes, you can. Because what's worse? You're going to just play it out. You're going to, you're so scared of of digging in your heels and whipping around and facing whatever it is that you're running from. You're so scared of that. Well, what's your life going to look like a year, five years, 10 years down the road? If you keep running, you're going to get worn out and you're going to be face planted on the pavement because you can only run for so long. It's exhausting. To be afraid is exhausting. Mm -hmm. You know, I did resign my position at the hospital this last year so that I could pursue coaching and writing and speaking full time. And I have, I've been at the hospital for 21 years. That's all I have known. And there, there's a certain personality that works at the hospital. It's, it's definitely a very busy atmosphere, a very type A atmosphere. And to go from that kind of busyness to home, it, it, I have needed, I've, I've not only needed my faith and these tools like visualization and question patterning and EFT tapping to, to help me, to help me keep going. But this, this thing that I call a life of consultation is a, it's a real person, like developing safe people in your life, even if it's one person, is so powerful. Because when I'm down and I don't want to get out of bed because this isn't working, because I'm looking for love in the wrong places, I'm looking for my worth in the wrong place, I need someone physical to tell me, you got this, girl. And that can sometimes, you know, I know God loves me, but, but the voice in my head can be so strong 
I feel confused or I might not be able to hear God. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think it's so important to have a relationship with God, with yourself and with other people. I believe that that's what God wants us. That's what we're here for. It says, you know, the commandment says, love me and love one another. And so first is having some kind of relationship with a higher power. My book isn't religious, even though I'm very religious, I wanted a solution for people who might not believe in God or have some trouble with their upbringing in religion that could just kind of level the playing field for just believing in something bigger than themselves is super powerful. And then that belief in themselves and then the belief in humanity. I think sometimes we've lost touch with there are safe people, especially if you've had trauma in relationships and you're just like, I'm never getting married again, or I'm never going to have a relationship like that. You know, we, because we're afraid again, we're avoiding, but the, the commandment is love one another. So we don't get to play that card that I'm never going to get married again. I might be offending somebody right now, but it really is ask yourself, what am I avoiding? Because I'm afraid of getting hurt, so I won't try or I isolate. I keep myself, you know, to myself. And that's that's not why we're here. And that's letting fear win. And, you know, I'll make one brief comment and then I'm going to get people steered to you so they can get more of you. <clears throat> I was a guest on another podcast here a few months back and we were talking about spirituality and issues like that. And I remember saying to him that it terrified me to think that there wasn't a power higher than myself. I said, I am a hot mess sometimes. I don't even understand chemistry. I can't even, you know, it's like I can't walk by the chemistry building on college campus without my grade point average dropping to down to zero. I said, you know, the fact that I would be the pinnacle of power is terrifying to me, you know, to think there's got to be something bigger than me, stronger than me, more powerful than me, more all-knowing than me, because if I'm the pinnacle, that's terrifying. <laughs> I mean, that's just me. We all have a right to our own opinion. I say that on here all the time, each to his own, and that's my opinion, and I have a right to that, and there might be somebody out there that disagrees, and that's cool, but that's that's my opinion. So, Melanie, I want to make sure that my listeners can can get access to you. They're going to want to, to know more about you. Where do they go? Happyjoyousandfree.org is my website. You can get a hold of me there. I am want to give a gift to all of your listeners that if you make an appointment with me, consultation, I will send you a free copy of my award-winning book. It hit number one bestseller on Amazon and Reader's Favorite gave me an award. And I, I just went to Florida recently for that book award. So I'm really excited to share this information with people and, and help people just exactly where they're at. It could be a goal you're looking for. It could be a relationship you want or you want to get out of. I love helping people with that awareness because sometimes we're, we don't know. We just can tell there's something missing. Mm -hmm. That's it. 
That's awesome. I I really appreciate everything that you've shared today. I mean, you've been so willing to be transparent and open and honest about your own experiences and really sharing some things that have been helpful to you that I know without a doubt unequivocally that my listeners are going to benefit from this. Thank you, Melanie, so much for spending your time and your effort here on Phoenix and Flame. Thank you. <laughs> Listeners, okay, so here's the thing. I know you've heard stuff today that is amazing and you want to share it. You might think, oh my gosh, I have a friend or I have a coworker or I have a relative that really, really needs to hear this episode and what Melanie has to share. So if you want to copy and paste the link onto text or email, you want to post it up on your favorite social media sites, do what you need to do so that we can grow our Phoenix and Flame community and reach out to one another in love and acceptance and transparency and know that we're all together and we can help each other. Have a great rest of your day and thank you for joining us on Phoenix and Flame.